Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. The baseball season is winding down, but we're about to have the two biggest months of the regular season. So you're definitely going to be wanting tickets. If your team's in, con- in, in contention, you might be making a decision kind of at the last minute. You know what? It's Tuesday night. Let's go ahead and go. You jump on SeatGeek. And you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices, even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying, as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's 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 kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. episode 377 of the sleeper in the bus it's friday august 12th i'm your host paul spore joined by eno saris eno how are you yes that's how my two-year-old says yes i like it yes that's very emphatic yeah it's very emphatic (laughs) no kind of how i feel on a on a friday about it being friday yes yes go (laughs) um I'm excited to talk pitchers today. We got a full pitching episode. You know, we asked people for some names. We contributed a couple of our own. You wrote about the universe's best pitcher, which is awesome. So we're going to basically actually start with that. I'm going to hit you with some news, though, that uh, didn't put on the rundown. And I'm just curious your, your, your snap thoughts on it. One guy going into the DL, one guy jumping off of it. Start with Matt Duffy coming off the DL for Tampa Bay. Going to get a chance to play with his new team. And I think the interesting thing there is that, uh, and I think we've already discussed this, or at least Jason and I have, so it's been discussed on this show, that he's going to play shortstop. How good of a shortstop is Matt Duffy to you fantasy-wise? Not not how how well can he play the position. We don't really care about that as long as they continue to put him there. I, I think he'll actually, I think at the very least he'll have a good start again because I've talked to him at great length. I still haven't written the piece, but he basically... There's basically like kind of two Matt Duffies, and I don't mean the you know the other Matt Duffy. I mean the Matt Duffy that's now in Tampa. There's sort of two versions of him, and he said it came from the fact that he, when he was you know uh, a, a small young man in high school, he actually he could pull the the ball well because nobody had any good pitches. So um, he pulled for power back then. Then he got to college and things got better, and his college coach has basically told him you need to go the other way so and spray the ball around and you know be a high average hitter so that's what he did at long beach state i think Ooh, that's that's good school i'm looking at it right now it was yes nailed it long beach state he was a dirt bag that's no joke that's a that's a no joke school right there yeah and but you know he wasn't drafted real high or anything uh 18th round overall 568 wasn't thought to be that great but he he then when he got to the pros he said the roving hit instructor for the Giants has uh, a go-and-get-it philosophy. And it's not necessarily um, one – it's not one that means that you have to be super aggressive, but it does mean be aggressive on fastballs and try to make contact on the fastball out in front. And he said, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to pull it, but it means I'm going to. it's going to be a little bit more pull than, than push, and it's a way to, to show power. So he has these two people inside him. 
Um, and uh, that probably hurts a little bit. But uh, he, he, uh, he's got these two people inside him. And so he said that, you know, people look at him now and they see he looks like 110 pounds soaking wet. And uh, Nothing they, wrong they, with that. That's a cool body type. Yeah, he basically said, yeah, right? we got a Paul Spore type here, a little bit, little bit shorter. Um, and he said that uh, basically when they see what, what he looks like, people, you know, fill up the zone on him so that he can't take a walk and, and hurt him with his feet. And, um, you know, once he sees that, he basically uh, can go to revert to his pull self and uh, hit for power. Start so raking. That, that's, that's, that's why he had those. 12 homers in his first year was people weren't used to him. Now this year, the power took a step back and he did admit that within the uh, division, he saw he was, he was being pitched differently. And also within the division, they were crazy, crazy shifting him in this weird way where they took all the outfielders and nobody was left of left center. Oh, wow. So they just left the entire, you know, line uh, in left field, open. I mean, for like forty yards, and uh, that might be too long. But anyway, you get the picture. The the guy, the the left fielder was basically in center field, and you know they were playing him perfectly, and that was stealing some of his hits. I mean, he was a high babbit guy because he can spray it around. He has enough power to to put it in the outfield and spray it around. But then when they started shifting him in the outfield, I think that robbed some of that uh, ability to have the sort of three thirty babbits. Um, so I think you know. It's worth seeing if people have those shifts on him from the minute he steps on the field as a Ray, or maybe they won't at first and they have to learn, you know, what they're doing with him That's and, uh, you know, how they're going to pitch him and stuff. So I think he could really have a nice end uh, end of the year and, um, you know, be useful in redrafts. However, in, in keeper, you know, I think where he was this year is probably – I mean, this is where he was supposed to be, right? A guy yeah. with like kind of a hundred ISO, maybe slightly better walk rate. Maybe he can get that OBP up to like three twenty, but not guaranteed to slug four hundred. Let me yeah. uh, let me hit you with some shortstops um, and ask you if you think he's going to be better than these guys the rest of the way. We're talking Matt Duffy over on Tampa Bay, going to be a shortstop. Doesn't qualify there yet, but we're just kind of playing the hypothetical game. Uh, he's going to get those ten games. Probably pretty quickly, you know, within, within his first, uh, I would say, probably 12 to 13 games. By the way, I told you that Wainwright was getting bombed out before we came on. It's now seven runs, you know. Oh. Wilson Contreras yeah. with his seventh home run. You know, we are talking a lot of pitchers today, but Wilson Contreras, man, we talked about we talked about how bad catcher is this year, and the fact that he's hitting extremely well in the midst of that is is, is very interesting. Um, well, we can circle back to that perhaps. Let me talk about some of these well, names. One thing I would take away, I wouldn't take away too much from one start because Wainwright, as you said, has been pitching a little bit better. Oh, yeah, he'd been, he'd been uh, really good for a while. Here's one thing that you can take away from it, I do think. Don't start Wainwright against the Cubs. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I don't know. You know, the Cubs are kind of like the Red Sox and the, maybe the Blue Jays of the of the American League. There are, you know, there are probably 20 to 30 pitchers that you start against everybody. Mm-hmm. And then there are another 20 to 30 that you start against everybody but the Red Sox and Blue Jays and, um, and um, uh, in Colorado. Cubs. Yeah, and in Colorado. So uh, I think, you know, that, that alone can tell you Wainwright is not sort of a top 30 starter. He's definitely not an everyday, every time starter. I mean, he's, he's okay, but. When you put him up against the best offenses, they know what he's doing and they can make contact with his pitches. And today they made, you know, all sorts of doubles and then Contreras hit one out of the stadium, basically. Four doubles, then Contreras with the with the bomb. So, um, all right, these shortstops here. Zach Cozart or Matt Duffy? Cozart. Okay. Uh, I really wanted to talk to Cozart about, you know, what he'd done, what he's done for to, to achieve this power level because – he sort of he sustained it basically from last year. Yeah, he has, and that's something that I don't think people believed. And he got hurt, so he didn't really have to prove it as a long term thing. And then he's been a pretty good power hitter again this year. Zach Cozart's been been all right. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that the rest of the season projections are low, and he's probably more like a one eighty to two hundred ISO kind of guy. The projections have him basically league average. 
And I think if you pump him up to that sort of 200 level, instead of getting, you know, four or five homers the rest of the way, he's probably good for, you know, five, six, seven. Um, and, um, you know, he's going to steal a bag or two. I think Duffy's probably going to hit like 275. So they, I think those, that was a good choice and that they're close in value. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if, if, and if Duffy doesn't steal any bases, then it'll be Cozart. And if Duffy doesn't hit 275, it's Cozart. So most likely it's Cozart. Okay. Let's see here. How's about Danny Espinosa? He went on his little he went on his run there where he was tearing tearing those homers left and right, but uh, not much of a batting average guy. Has definitely slowed down. Danny Espinosa versus Matt Duffy as a shortstop. I think I'd take Matt Duffy. Okay. Yeah, that batting average is that, that batting average hurts, and it, it really stings. Like you got to be hitting even more, you know, more power than that. Unless you're set up, you know, if your team construction can kind of take it on, where where you can afford a batting average anchor. I I agree with you. I think I got to go with uh, with Duffy at that point. Yeah. All right, one more here, and we'll move on to a couple other bits of news. What about? Um, let's see here. What about Javier Baez? See, two, that, that, he's he's listed below those other guys I gave you, but he might actually be higher lately because of the way he's been playing. Maybe what about Starling Castro instead? Ooh, I like that one better. Because it, plus, it's also AL versus AL. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you might be in a more shallow uh, AL only. You might actually be able to make this choice. Sort of ten team AL only might might without an MI maybe make this choice. Um, they're actually pretty similar, you know. I think that Duffy will probably have a better walk rate, get on base more, uh, strike out a little bit less, and that's the kind of thing I'd probably bet on uh, over Castro. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will take Duffy, but I think that I think that's a decent sort of comp for what I could see out of Duffy, you know, most years. I think you know maybe a little bit less power, but a little bit more OBP. But that's the kind of that's what Duffy could do. Okay. So that's where we're at with uh, with Matt Duffy as a, as a shortstop for Tampa Bay. He returns off the DL. Nathan Eovaldi hits the DL, and you know he he, he put everyone's ERA and WHIP on the disabled list weeks ago. So, uh, <laughs> you know, guess it's not too surprising that he he suffered an injury himself. It's it's been a brutal season from from a guy that we, we continue to expect more from elbow issue that that's that's sending him on there uh, right elbow tendon injury. Where where are you currently with him? As the best I got is just the general question because I can't really make a pointed one. It's tough, really bad season um, because of the home runs, and and he few guys took a bigger hit with the home run surge than Nathan Eovaldi. He was a guy who was actually pretty good at suppressing them. Then all of a sudden it, it shoots up to 1.7 homers per nine for Eovaldi, and it and it really kind of took him out of uh, you know off the trajectory that he was on where he was actually improving. Yeah, but, you know, one thing that has really bummed me the most out about him is that, you know, even if you look past the home runs, despite the higher swing and strike rate, despite the splitters, um, you know, and despite the great velocity in his fastball, you know, all of things that seem different, when you look at his strikeout and walk totals, they're the same. You know, I don't know why he can't have a league average strikeout rate with that kind of stuff. It's amazing. So... You know, all you've got is he's actually got below average strikeouts minus walks in terms of K minus BB percentage, and he's never been above average in his career. Wow. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, he changed and he remained the same. <laughs> and uh, so I got really, I, I kind of bummed out on him. And even in my 20 teamer where I need wins and, you know, the Yankees might be able to give him some wins. I think that he might be done for the season. He last year he had something in September and uh, and never came back. And um, you know I wouldn't be surprised if uh, this happens again. So uh, I dropped him in my twenty teamer. Picked up um, I dropped him and uh, another guy and I picked up Ariel Miranda and okay. Paul Clemens. So that's how little I think of Nathan Eovaldi. <laughs> That's pretty fierce. I'm gonna let you talk about one of them. You know, I, I, 
we're not trying to hear about both of them. Who, who do you like better? <laughs> we just don't want to hear I'm about making, I'm making you pick between Ariel Miranda and Paul Clemens, and we'll talk. Uh, Ariel Miranda for Seattle, um, who basically they've chosen over Taiwan Walker right now, and Paul Clemens, who, you know, has a dope first name. Pretty cool last name, too. Roger Clemens was pretty <laughs> awesome. But um, doesn't it is not as cool as me and doesn't throw as well as uh, as Rocket. Okay. I'm going to take Paul Clements. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about Paul Clements uh, then over on... There's uh, a top five spin right on the curveball. Oh, and... that's interesting. You know what? I knew that he had a big spin rate because I think I might have mentioned this a long time ago when we randomly talked about Paul Clements. Jeff Lunau made mention of this at an event one time that I was at. Um, right. What's that? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and, and they gushing over Paul Clemens and, and that was the main reason why. So he's got he's got the curveball spin rate. What else what else Paul Clemens have? Uh he's got the curveball spin rate. Got a pretty dope home run rate. Wait a minute, that's actually the wrong way. You don't want a two point one home run rate. Got that curveball spin rate. He's got the curveball spin rate though. Yeah he's got the he's, got but the he's curveball. also got the, cur- the curveball spin rate. <laughs> I mean that's about it. The the uh, one of the reasons I did pick him up today and and picked up Miranda is that um, Paul Clements is pitching against the Mets today and the Mets are like the opposite of the Red Sox as in there are probably 120 pitchers <laughs> you could pitch against the Mets yes and uh, and right, especially right now with all of their injuries with Conforto's head up his butt and uh, Terry Collins putting Ty Kelly in the second spot in the lineup. Uh, all of these things make it easier to pitch the Mets. So uh, I sort of was streaming a little bit. Miranda's uh, maybe a slightly better pitcher overall, but he's in the American League. And, um, you know, I doubt I'll I'll keep him beyond. Maybe I'll keep it. I definitely won't keep Clemens beyond the start. Maybe I'll keep Miranda because he has some nice ride on the four seam. He has like two change-ups, like a split finger and a change-up. Um, which is kind of the Kevin Gossman thing without any of the Kevin Gossman velocity. So uh, I'm not really sure about him, but he calls Seattle home and he's pitching in Oakland tonight. So um, he might might stay on my team as uh, the new Wade Miley. I actually okay. I actually own Wade Miley on that league on that team. <laughs> and when he went to Baltimore, I said, "No thanks. No, I'm good there. Uh, that's and cool. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Thanks. Thanks, no, what do you do? Oh, what, what, oh, did he dominate? Did he dominate in his what first do, start? What did he do with, with Baltimore? With Baltimore, he's had two starts. Uh, same old Miley. Same I mean, old Miley. 11 innings, five earned run, six earned runs. I Would mean, you rather have Wade Miley or Miley Cyrus on your fantasy baseball team? <laughs> Miley Cyrus. I bet you Wade Miley's below replacing them. I think so, too. Give me Miley Cyrus. <laughs> i got to email my commish to uh, put her in the player pool. <laughs> yeah. Bad for team chemistry, though. So I will probably lose some some situ- some points there. Uh, okay, last little bit of news here, just to kind of get your thoughts. It looks like uh, St. Louis Cardinals are talking about a potential Carlos Gomez deal. How does that line up for you if you if you see Carlos Gomez go out to St. Louis? I think it's good short term. Matt Holiday's hurt. Yeah, he just got a fractured hand or finger. Have they, have they decided how long he's out? Uh, no, I just saw him. Walking off yesterday in pain. Let me let me see if there's an update. Let me see. Let me see. Scheduled to see a hand specialist Monday, and what, and then then they'll decide if he has surgery. I think if he has surgery, he's he, he's gonna come back like the last week. Yeah. At best. Yeah. Um, and um, if he doesn't have surgery, I still think it'll probably be a month. And uh, so that means that right now you got uh, Tommy Fam. Mm-hmm. What up, Fam? What up, Fam? <laughs> how much? How much does he hear that? With with that uh, being a popular every, phrase these days. Every day. Although he's he's right-handed, and traditionally they've kind of used him in that um, in that platoon role. Gritchuk is back. Yeah. The Gritch. The Gritch Wait. who stole fantasy baseball. Gritch who stole man. There we go. <laughs> oh man. And uh, Stephen Piscotty, and so I think Stephen Piscotty and Brandon Moss probably. Although Matt Adams is hurt too. That's right. Shoulder. Hazel Baker's Hazel Baker came back. So Moss is the first baseman right now. The center fielder is Randall Grichuk. That's what I would guess because he's the best defensive center fielder. 
Stephen Piscotty is a starter in right field, and left field is probably some combination of Hazel Baker, Wong, and Pham. Okay. As long as Wong's still in the major leagues. Let me check. Yeah, Wong is still in the major leagues. So they don't necessarily need him, but they weren't playing Grichuk, Pham, Hazel Baker, or Wong regularly. Wong a little bit more regularly, but they weren't playing any of those guys really that regularly just a week ago. So that means they don't probably want to. And uh, you could easily stick Gomez in left and, um, you know, maybe work something with him with Grichuk in center, uh, Gomez in center, Grichuk, you know, because Grichuk, I don't know, Grichuk might be a better defender than Gomez in his cert- in his current situation. So anyway, there's a there's probably an opening, given that Hazel Baker is, you know, 45 years old. And uh, no, that's a lie. I'm just kidding. He's 28, but it's like every cardinal that comes up and is super old. Yeah, you got it. You have to be like we're not calling you up till you're like 32, or you look like a 32 year old rookie. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, and then Fam is is okay, but he's a righty, and uh, Grichuk has shown us all his flaws. So uh, yeah, I think they probably end up with Gomez, man. I mean, it. it, it we're. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We've okay. talked about this a lot. Um, it's a decent spot for him to land and actually play. And they're motivated to do it. Uh, maybe more than anybody. I mean, other than the Blue Jays, you know, in terms of contenders. Yeah. We talked about the White Sox, but the White Sox aren't necessarily contenders in the same way. So. And then maybe and then maybe the Tigers. Right, Tigers. Okay. So ti- ti- I, I just haven't heard anything. No, I, I haven't either. I haven't either. I'm just saying when we were looking at teams that had contending, yeah. that were contending with outfield potential i wasn't just trying to be home or like oh maybe my favorite team will get somebody that's available um just... i still you know because of their need the tigers need i would give it in terms of uh, where carlos gomez goes i'm going to give other like 10 percent mm-hmm. uh so that leaves uh 90 and i would give uh the tigers like 30 percent cardinals like uh 45 50 and uh, the blue jays like 20 percent, something like that okay well, that's, that's how we're handicapping that. Let's stay tuned. It's still in that trade window period, so anyone, you got to kind of go through the trade first before he becomes you know, outright released. That's Carlos Gomez potentially going to St. Louis right now. That's the main story. All right, let's talk pitchers, Zeno. It's been a while since we've done a full pitcher episode. We've got a handful of guys to talk about. Let's start with Justin Verlander. As I mentioned previously, best pitcher in the universe. No real question about that. I think everyone kind of knows yeah. that one already. But... Uh, <laughs> You recently wrote about about Justin Verlander, and well, I think almost the most interesting thing about Verlander is whether or not what we think of him for next year. You know, that that, that is a good but, point because it's clear that you know, he's been pitching well. He's good yeah. right now, but what, right. what are we what are we doing going forward? Um, and and it is a little bit disconcerting that um, you're disconcerting. Don't you ever? Well, you know, I'm a thousand percent. Had a really bad year, and then the the last year it wasn't bad, bad, but in terms of strikeouts, it wasn't quite what you'd expect. And so I was wondering if that was the new Verlander. In any case, like I have him for eleven dollars in auto new, and you know somebody was was wondering if they could they could get him from me and how how much I thought of him as a keeper. But you know that's a good price, and I after looking into him for ESPN. I think, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be good because the, you can explain away the two bad years pretty easily. He had the core surgery mm-hmm. the year in 2014, and uh, he had that was the worst velocity year for him. And core, you know, we've talked this before, but trunk rotation is really important for velocity. So, um, you know, having surgery on your oblique basically is not a good way to to, to have good velocity. So. Uh, I think that explains 2014 pretty well. He came back, got an extra half tick the next year, but then he had triceps soreness, um, some sort of other thing yeah, that it was triceps. triceps, and it was only 133 innings. But he got some of that velocity back and some of his effectiveness back. This year is the first year he doesn't have either of those things that he's been, you know, healthy for an extended period of time, and he got another half tick back on his fastball. All of his spin rates improved from last year to this year. And he now has the highest spin rate fastball in baseball, 
Uh, plus, he added three inches of drop on his changeup over the course of the season, which is more than anybody has. So, you know, in some ways, his stuff is the best it's ever been in terms of movement, you know. And I think he's also recovered some of his um, strategy stuff that he used to pitch high in the zone. I think he got scared to pitch high in the zone when he lost the velocity. And then when he got the velocity back, uh, now he's back to pitching high in the zone. And he's pitching uh, tight, too, you know, on the inside. So, you know, all those things say to me that he's, you know, sort of learning how to use his stuff best. His stuff is his best. And even though he will not gain any more velocity going forward, I think he's learned enough about pitching and his stuff and where to pitch it that uh, he's going to be better going forward than that four or five ERA year, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I think the thing that I noticed last year about Erlander was recapturing the, the top of the zone yeah. was, was huge for him. Uh, that, was a, that was a big factor. He felt comfortable going up there. You know what's really interesting? I think this one kind of shocks folks. It, it's, not, it's not 100% right now because of a, one, a 0.1% difference, but this is the tied for the best year of his career in swinging strike rate. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's the second best season of, uh, of Verlander's career with strikeout rate at 26.3%, 11.8 on the swinging strike rate. He was at uh, 11.9% back in 2012 on the swinging strike rate and 27.4% on strikeout rate back in 2009. So, um, you know, we're seeing a really a really sharp version of Verlander. It's great to see. I love it. The, the duel with Felix the other night was awesome, um, very enjoyable. So he's going to be 34 next year. But the interesting thing is, as you outlined, when he's had struggles, they've had a, a reason, right? The injuries. That said, yeah. once you get to 34 as a pitcher, are there going to be more injuries that pop up? <laughs> and so that's that's. Say, I, think, I think he's like one of those uh, rare number twos. I mean, he's in terms of when he's on, he's an ace because he's got that you know great strikeout total and the good ERA and WHIP. But that risk sort of makes him a two. Where I don't think I'd want to keep him as an ace, but you know, if I kept him behind uh, an Arietta or you know a younger a younger pitcher, mm-hmm. uh, then I'd feel pretty good about it. You know, and then you know if you if you hear some if he has off season surgery, then you know shop him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we there, know work the, out well last time. Here's one thing that you kind of know about he's going to try to pitch through anything too. What, what right. the length you know whatever leash the team will give him. Just because he's pitching doesn't always mean he's healthy. He's definitely one of those guys who's going to be more of, of pitching through stuff, even at a diminished capacity, than than some others. Uh, so not that doesn't always help Justin Verlander because we saw what happened in 2014. So uh, I will link your ESPN piece so people can read it. I believe it's on Insider, which is really a great value. It, I'm, not, I'm not just saying that, but uh, ESPN Insider for, for what it costs, you really get a lot of stuff. Uh, um, what's that? Keith Law. Yeah, exactly. You get Keith Law. You get uh, um, you get a lot of their fantasy stuff. Eric Carabell has his blog out there too. So after you read our stuff, you want to read a little bit more. You get that. You get Eno stuff. It's it's worth it. Plus, I think you get a. I think you can find a deal where you get the magazine as well. I don't know if anyone, you know, if, if you don't read magazines anymore. I still get it. I don't always read it, but every once in a while, I pick it up. I'm like, oh, hey, got the magazine. Awesome. All right, let's talk Noah Syndergaard. You know, he's definitely been. A lesser version of himself, pretty much since we learned about the uh, the bone spurs and the elbow. Not a huge surprise, but what do we do? We, we're looking now. Last uh, six starts, it's a 3.78 ERA, downright pedestrian, with uh, 40 strikeouts and 33 and a 30. That's how that's how good Noah Syndergaard is. That this is the diminished level of him. But it's clear when you watch him, he doesn't have that. Holy crap! You're definitely done today for the other team sort of aspect that he did earlier this year and, and a lot of last year. So how are you valuing someone like Noah Syndergaard now that we are kind of in a, in a diminished capacity? I, I got nothing, man. I got nothing except to say that he's still an ace and he's still amazing in the sum of it and that people sometimes go through this. I mean, yeah, his strikeout rate is down a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I agree with you in terms of watching him. It's not... It's not quite as down itself, and it's and it sucks that it links up with his self-reported, you know, fatigue that one start, and then the bone spurs, and that makes everyone super nervous, um, you know. And his and his command has gotten worse, and 
Uh, his BABIP is through the roof right now. Um, but what I mean, what are you going to do, dude? I mean, no, I did. Even if you'd come out and say, you know, this, this, there's nothing really actionable because you can't, unless you can still get a mint for him, which I think you could in some leagues if you really wanted to trade him. But like, what if, you know, what 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 if he's what if he feels better down the stretch here and and goes back to seven shutout every time, you know, because yeah. it seems to be kind of like one inning a start. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, even with his strikeout rate down, he's still you know ten strikeouts for nine. Exactly. So. So it's it, it's 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 tough because you kind of look like I said you look through it, and any of those starts that are quote unquote bad or or wobbly for for the expectations that Syndergaard has built up for us, they are one inning where it's like okay the stuff was just really off the team got to him put up two three four runs, and then you know he's great the rest of the outing so. Can he avoid those hiccup innings and all of a sudden we're back to Syndergaard proper? And so I, I don't even think I would want to trade him. I just I guess I just wanted to talk about him a little bit, put some folks at ease, um, or or at least let well, them know they're not crazy for seeing a, a, a lesser uh, level, but that you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, and you know I don't think he deserves like a, a huge bat. Right now he has like a 380 or something, so um, that's a little bit weird. Even, even a hurting Syndergaard, that seems weird to me. So... Um, I, you know, somebody just asked about this, an opportunity to, to, uh, talk about this one more time is the pitcher injury factors on baseballheatmaps.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to, uh, the pitcher subhead and then there's pitcher injury factors and you put in the, uh, the, the player name, um, and you have to pick, uh, their most used fastball. Normally it's just, uh, it's just their four seamer, but it'll help you along. And then it spits out four graphs, and one graph is a rolling velocity uh, chart, and um, his average velocity and five-game average are up, so there's no sign there that's bad. You're looking to see a downturn in rolling velocity. Uh, the next chart is late-game inconsistency, and that's how much his release point late in the game is all over the place. Um, and that's a little bit more important to watch in a baseline, watch the red baseline versus... Um, you know, whether or not there's a real bad number. Some guys are a little bit more inconsistent on, the av- on average, and so that you're looking for them to be even more inconsistent. And, um, you know, Syndergaard had a little, you know, one or two game thing that happened last year, but this whole year he's been super consistent with his release point late in the game. And then strike zone percentage is another one. If the strike zone percentage goes down, the, the pitcher is pitching scared. And right now, the strike zone, the five-game average is higher than, than it's been, um, you know, for his career. And it's up over the course of this year, too. And then there's the last one is just total variances in terms of release point. Uh, it's another way to look at the release point to see if he's doing anything crazy, and he's not. So, you know, if he's hurting, he's at least, very much, at least he's not uh, changing what he's doing to uh, stop hurting. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's hurting that bad because... It, when you what you really see are like falling arm slots um, on pitchers, you know. Absolutely. And so that's that's you, you yeah. got a positive spin here for Thor then. That's yeah, comforting. I mean, there's no there's no uh, there's no real you know thing to uh, to point to in terms of oh yeah you know he's doing that thing that pitchers do when they're hurt. Um, so you know then you can see that I I've done it a couple times on Verlander. Where you know he's either coming back from the triceps or the core surgery, and I looked at this pitcher injury factors and was like, this guy is pitching hurt right now. So uh, I don't see that same stuff with um, with Noah Syndergaard. Okay, that's great. So you you're even going out and acquiring him then? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think he's fine. I know you know people. Somebody was yelling at me about the Worth and Slider. I'm just like. I think Noah Syndergaard is maybe the you know second best pitcher in, in the big leagues right now. You know, but tell the whole story. If someone yelled at you about the Worth and Slider, then you threw your cell phone as a Worth and Slider at their face. <laughs> and when they fell down, you just kind of said, "That that's the slider right there." You picked up your phone, and you walked away. It was one of the coolest things you'd ever done. But you probably will get arrested for hitting that guy with a cell phone like that. But it was a. I mean, I've never seen. I've never seen. Uh, you to be able to get the velocity and the break on your cell phone like that when throwing <laughs> it at people. It's just, uh, it's, it's next level. It's good stuff. Let's revisit James Paxton. We talked about him a while ago when he really started uh, kind of busting out with that 
with the new arm slot mechanics that gave him more control and more velocity, like really kind of amped him up another level, popping 100 with regularity and looking really sharp. Once that train kind of got going where everyone was kind of on him, he had a few bumpy starts, I think, that that discouraged some folks. I know uh, the Tigers knocked him for a bunch of hits. It was only like, I think, four runs in seven plus. Okay, I got it pulled up. Seven and two-thirds, four, four runs, but 11 hits. And then the next outing was was wobbly against St. Louis, and then he got back on track, and then another wobbly outing against Houston. He's one of those guys, though, James Paxton, where whenever he has a bad start, I think people freak out a little bit. But he's back on track again lately, pretty much since Houston got to him for six right after the All-Star break. He's only allowed five earned runs in his last four starts combined with 27 strikeouts and 28 in the third innings, um, just two home runs, just three walks. Let's let's get an update on James Paxton. How, how are you feeling about what we've seen out of him this year? He's actually staying 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 healthy as well. Now, interestingly enough, he's on the unlucky number 13. He's had 13 starts only in each of the last two years. His next start, he'll he'll finally set a career high in in starts. 14. Gotta get there. Gotta get there. Gotta get there. I was a little bit worried when he first came back and he had. Uh three straight starts where he had five strikeouts against four walks in like 20 innings. And I was like, what is this? Like, you're not a pitch to contact guy, dude. You throw like a hundred miles an hour. Exactly. So, uh, I'm really happy that since then he's 27 strikeouts against three walks in, uh, 28 innings. Yeah. It's it's really nice. He's kind of figuring out how to, how to work with this. Like I said, like you said, he had that lull there two, two and one strikeouts in his first three starts to open July. And I was among the people like, wait, what the hell? Even one of those starts was really good at KC. And I know they don't strike out, but the other ones, Houston and Baltimore, those are good power teams, but they strike out a ton as well. So it was surprising that he couldn't really log K's against them, but James Paxton has gotten his K's back on track now. So we're seeing a lot of good from him. How much do you trust it? Uh, well, somebody was asking me about like him versus Jameson Tyon, and that was uh, very fairly easy for me with the strikeout rate um, coming from Paxton right now. You know, uh, you know, Tyon's Tyon's floor might be pretty high with that nice uh, that nice ground ball rate, but he's had such a crazy injury history that you never know what's uh, what's going on there. Well, so, in, in fairness, so as Paxton, we were we're going to talk Tyon, so let's bring him up. And, and, and put these two together then, Paxton and Tyon. Tyon's been pitching really well of late, too, after coming back from his injury. I think he had a, a shoulder fatigue DL situation. He's been back now for his last five starts. They've all been quality starts. He went eight scoreless against San Diego his last time out. The strikeouts were actually jumping up for, for a couple starts there for Tyon, seven, six, and six, and then just four against San Diego. But when you go eight scoreless with only three hits, I, I'm okay with four strikeouts. Like that's just a really good outing where you're getting tons of weak contact, putting the outs away, and uh, you know Tyon's looks yeah. pretty good. So you prefer he's, Paxton? He's also really good at limiting the walks. I mean, just you know, he's a bunch of starts with zeros, bunch of starts with ones. His worst starts this year have had two walks. So you know, I think that's uh, that speaks well. We you know, it's hard for us to show that. Um, it's hard for us to show that. Uh, uh, command is hard to show, and he hasn't necessarily had the best track rate with walk rates in the minor leagues, but I think that he has pretty good command. And also, an interesting thing is he wasn't really throwing the sinker that much in the minor leagues. Uh, they wanted him to start with a four-seam, four-seam command, repeatable mechanics, all that. And then just at the sort of end in AAA, they let him you know, start throwing the sinker. And the sinker's been huge for him. And I think it's it's huge for him in terms of limiting walks, too, because it has more movement. He can trust it more by throwing it more in the zone. So, I, you know, everything I talked to when I talked to him about it impressed me about how he was thinking about baseball. And This was Tyon? Uh, yeah, this Tyon. So I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. Um, I think even with that sort of seven, uh, seven for nine, you know, kind of average-ish strikeout rate, 20% strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. I do think that uh, he's going to limit the walks and make it really play up. So I think he's got that really nice high floor uh, thing going on. And, you know, there's certain leagues where that might make sense over Paxton. But 
Paxton's, uh, you know, a strikeout per inning right now. Yeah, the upside is 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 rich. Whereas, and it's, it's not, you know, even though he's in the American League, it's not, um, it's not like, uh, you know, he's in Boston or something. So, yeah, we we like it out in Seattle. There, there's some I can't parts find, in the I can't West. find like a, a a pitching mix change. I, I can with James Paxton to, to explain the last four games versus the, the four before that. Uh, when Paxton first came back, I did write about how he changed his arm slot, and that was a big deal. Um, so, but then that that arm slot has actually creeped back up a little bit, but then stabilized again. So I wonder if maybe he was a little bit radical at first, and you know was wasn't that comfortable with it, and then now bringing it back up just a little bit, he's become more comfortable with it. So, because if I look at his pitching mix. You know, there's no real discernible difference in those bad games than there is uh, in the good games. Absolutely. I wonder if there's anything in in count changes, perhaps. Maybe he's Mm. kind of figuring out the sequencing. I'm speculating there because I I watched a couple of those games early, and even when he was pitching well, I remember the game against Texas, scored uh, six and a third scoreless, where he would still kind of have these lulls, even in the midst of that game, a really good game where – didn't exactly know where where it was going, especially within the zone. If I felt like he got away with some pitches, and he was kind of figuring it out in in June and early July. Um, so I'm not surprised to kind of see him turn here lately, James Paxton, despite not having major pitch mix changes. But I wonder if sequencing is something that maybe he's gotten better at. Yeah, yeah, I could see that because he's getting a lot more swings on the fastball, which I think for him is good. It's a 97 mile an hour fastball. Absolutely. So, so you know, so to get more swings on it, I think that's 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 a good deal, and he's getting more swings on the curve too. So, uh, and pretty much swings are above up above the board. So, um, that's you know that's an underrated part of, of pitching is just getting them to swing, and um, you know I, it's hard to know without you know uh, really sort of looking at every star granularly if it's because he's found the zone better. But that was one self-reported thing. That uh, that Paxton mentioned was that he thought he had better command um, with this. So, um, you know, it could be that could be part of the deal. Is as much as it is, you know, striking people out. It's more limiting walks and making them and and not getting into bad counts. Exactly. So not that's why the line where you where you where yeah. you got to put a hundred in the zone, you know even even right. upper nineties and a hundred in the zone when they know it's coming. It could be that's trouble. a way to. That's the way to get swings too. Is, is put them into defensive accounts. So if they're if they have two strikes, they have to swing. Exactly. You know, they have to protect. They have to protect the zone, and then then you've got them, you know, on their heels. So I think that's uh, that's probably part of the ticket. There, his his walks have gone down as the season's gone on, and um, so we prefer Paxton to tie on rest of season. But are you are you is tie on an all formats guy for you right now? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's been pitching really well. I like seeing that out of out of Jameson Tyon really come back from a couple uh, injuries that lost two years of time. So that's really interesting. Uh, let's talk another young pitcher, Carl, actually the youngest uh, of this group, I think. I think he's even still younger than Tyon. Uh, they're the same age. They're both 24. Carlos Martinez is having an interesting follow-up to his breakout campaign last year. We Everything was so nice last year, 179 two-thirds innings, 9.2 strikeouts. The, the whip was a little high at 129, but you were getting those strikeouts that kind of made up for it, 301 ERA, 14 wins on a solid team. Not a whole lot has changed in terms of the results this year. The whip's down a little bit. Uh, ERA's up a little bit. But the strikeouts, he's lost two full strikeouts off of his rate, has Carlos Martinez. And he's been a bit ordinary uh, of late. If you kind of look over his last uh, last six starts, he's got a 463 ERA. But more importantly than that, what really jumps out is only one of those starts where he didn't he didn't walk multiple batters. He's got four, one, four, four, two, and three walks lately. Walks are an issue with, with Martinez. We know he's kind of an effectively wild sort of guy. But after the breakout year and now two-thirds of the way through another solid but maybe not elite year, what what's your what's your current opinion of of Carlos Martinez? He actually showed up as um adding more drop on his changeup because when I did that that research for the Verlander piece, um, just looked at who added the most drop on their changeup from the beginning of the year to the, the, to the second part of the uh, the year. He's he's added more drop than than six than everybody but six other starters. So he's added a lot of drop to his changeup. 
And I, and I was thinking of that as a, as a positive because his, his changeup has always been sort of his third, his third best pitch. But when I looked into it a little bit more, um, I saw that Martinez's arm slot has dropped. So, um, you know, I have, yeah, it's not good. Did because... you freak out yesterday when uh, when things went a little bit sideways? Like, it wasn't even a bad game. I think it was a base from a statistical standpoint, baseline quality start. But I think he expects better of himself. So when he had kind of the the the, the bad sixth, he'd been he'd been dominating the Cubs to that point Carlos Martinez had, and then gives up five hits, three runs in the sixth, and just kind of lost it. Yeah, he's a he's he's fiery. He's a, he's a fiery, he's a fiery guy. guy. Yeah, look at that. Fiery guy. Um, uh, the, it's especially worrisome because, you know, we've had that whole deal with, uh, you know, Pedro telling him to keep his front side closed. He's had injury issues, um, and he's got, you know, uh, I'm not like a, you know, mechanics guru or anything, but his delivery looks a little intense and crazy to me. Um, so I just want to pull up here real quick, the injury factors on him, um, so that we can get a sense of uh, what these things say about him. And uh, I did the wrong Carlos Martinez. Give us an update on that other Carlos Martinez, please. There's nothing in there. That's what it says. All right, Carlos Martinez with the, here we go. And average velocity, steady, slightly up. Uh, Some late game inconsistencies recently. Uh, strike zone percentage mostly up, uh, and some release point variances. But he is one of these guys that has more variance than usual. So he is an inconsistent release point guy, uh, which I just think doesn't have great things to say about his health um, you know, in the long run. I, I wouldn't be, you know, if I, if I had Carlos Martinez on a keeper league team. You trading him? Because I know that I'm, I'm trading him as well. But in terms of redraft, hey, you know, you, you jumped, you dropped out there right, right at the key point where it said, uh, if I have Carlos Martinez in a keeper, I figure that you say you're going to trade him. Is that is that what you were saying? Yeah, if I got Carlos Martinez in a keeper league, and I, it's like, sort of, and I, you know, you're looking at me like, oh, he's 24 years old. Is he someone I'm going to build around? Is he going to be my ace, you know, going forward, or is he a guy that I trade now, more like Billy Bean, and try to get one of those last really great packages to, 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 to go forward with. And I think I would trade him because, you know, with these inconsistent release points, with the, the, the sort of smoke that we've seen, not necessarily, you know, fire, but with the smoke we've seen around his, his injury history, with the fact he throws really hard, uh, that's not great for, for uh, injury risk. And now his release point is the lowest it's, it's been in his career. All that stuff together makes me say, I'll trade him in a, in a, in a keeper. In a redraft, or if you were going to acquire him for for a run, then you know, just go for it. You know, what do we know about injury? Um, and, and you know, for the next six weeks, hopefully he'll be fine. So, um, but uh, but I think in a keeper league, I might. And if I if I was rebuilding, especially, I, I think I'd sell him. I think I would too. And I actually uh, advised as much co- coming into the season. For some reason, I'm just. I've gotten a great vibe on on a long-term situation with Carlos Martinez. Love watching him when he's electric and dominating in, in a given start, but long-term, just never never got the great feel. The front side just flies open. Sometimes he's really, like, his arm seems like it's behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opens up too much. It's the same stuff that Pedro said. And then, you know, to average 96 and not be necessarily throwing it with real nice and easy fluid motion. I mean, Thor... Thor is going to have some injury risk too because he averages like 99. But at least so when I watch Thor, I'm not like, ooh, ouch. No, you're <laughs> definitely right. And that's something I think that Carlos Martinez has had from the jump. Even when he was in the bullpen, you could tell it was kind of yeah. violent and just. I think it, that's why they handled him the way they, they did. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a different feel. I think he's going to be a guy who frustrates um, because a lot want to see a trajectory that just shoots straight up. I don't see it like that. I think I think we could see uh, in his, throughout his twenties, Carlos Martinez is a guy who's kind of an up and down. You know, one year it's going to be like a four four thirteen ERA, 
from you know 180 innings or 140 innings with a couple of DL stints. Like, oh man, what's going on? Then he's going to be a, a value at drafts. And people are going to take him later, and then he'll have a spike here, and then he'll be back down. It's, I think it's just going to be inconsistent, and there's going to be injury issues around him as well. All right, the last guy I want to discuss today is Jake Odorizzi for Tampa Bay Rays. He's a guy I really liked coming into the year. I thought he could take like a, a, a big step forward. That definitely hasn't happened. Home runs have gotten him as well. Um, home runs have always been been a bit of an issue for Jake Odorizzi, but then when you factor in the spike across the league, no surprise that he kind of takes that on the chin. But he's pitching particularly well of late, uh, so I'm really interested if you're seeing anything different or is this just kind of an upswing after a bit of a downswing, to be honest, because from June 14th, through July 5th, that little five-start run, uh, he had three really rotten ones, one decent one, and, and, and one that could be considered good. And now he's kind of just flipped that a little bit over his last six. They've all mostly been been pretty darn good. 195 ERA in 37 innings with 31 strikeouts, seven walks, uh, and just three homers. Jake Odorizzi, assess, please. We know... Uh, we know it's always been about that breaking ball uh, for Mr. Dodorizzi, and uh, and uh, and I'm and I'm not sure. It's really hard to prognosticate about a slider versus a cutter. I mean, they just you know morph into each other, and you know sometimes it's it's not really one pitch, or sometimes it's two pitches, but it's only one to lefties and one to righties, and blah blah blah. I mean, y'all know we've talked about this stuff you know a lot, um, but. There is a, there is a, I mean, it does look like right now Jake Odorizzi is throwing the most cutter-like cutter he's ever thrown okay. in terms of, you know, it's got a very separate uh, vertical movement number than the slider. It's At times they've morphed together, but right now the cutter uh, has seven inches of difference between the slider and it in terms of drop. So that's that's a definitively different pitch, and in terms of release speed, uh, the cutter is now more different than a slider than it's ever been too. Uh, right now, the cutter goes 88, and the slider goes 80. No, the cutter goes 87, and the slider goes 80, 81. And that's uh, that's further apart than they've ever been, and he's using the cutter more than he ever has. Um, so, or well, you know, yeah, he's using the cutter more than he ever has. So. Uh, maybe he's finding something there. I mean, that's that's you know, home runs have always been the thing with him, and in particular, home runs by lefties. I think um, I want to make sure of that quick, but uh, uh, we know that home runs have been the issue, and uh, you know, you look at that game log, and it's been since June 25th since he's given up more than one home run in a game, and he's had four games without any home runs. Um, so I, I think that the uh, the cutter could be could be it. I just the only reason I'm a little bit yeah oh it's cut oh he has the re- reverse split because he he throws the split finger. That's right, that's right. Yeah, we have so seen that out of Jake Odorizzi. He's always looking for and and yeah, righties have hit 1.3 home runs per nine and lefties had 0.9 over his career. Um, so that's why he's looking for a breaking ball and that's why it's weird that he would that the cutter would be the way out. But I'm going to say that it is a real nice uh, thing for him, a real nice development for him. Because, you know, cutter, I think you can still use a cutter against a righty. And, um, you know, there's different things you can do with it. And it's another pitch. I mean, he's just been looking for something beyond that split finger just to keep people honest so that they're not just looking fastball splitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that... Uh, that uh, it's good news for him. And, you know, he's always been a pretty good guy by K-BB. So, um, you know, I, I've, uh, I've, I've kept my confidence in him. Him and Smiley are, are both turning around. They really are. I mean, uh, we talked about Tampa Bay pitchers a, a lot, actually, because they have a really intriguing rotation. They were really bitten by, the, by that home run bug. They seem to take it as, as a team unit, as a starting, starting rotation group. They really got hit with the, with the homer surge. More than any other team, saw talk about Matt Moore getting traded, but some of the guys are really kind of coming out of it a little bit, starting to stifle some home runs and find some success. Uh, longer term, in, in leagues where they are keeper worthy, you know, it's gonna you're gonna have to be a dynasty or 
AL only where you're keeping a whole bunch of guys for Odorizzi and Smiley to be on the keeper radar, but which which do you prefer going going forward? Uh, between Odorizzi and Smiley? Yes, sir. Odorizzi's 26. Mm-hmm. And Smiley's 27. 20, Smiley's 27. Smiley has had better strikeout rates through his career and has a better mix in terms of has more pitches. However, uh, because I think, you know, I think you can safely say for Smiley that, that he's got three pitches. He's got the sort of rise ball, the cutter, and the curve. He throws the change up some, but it's probably on the level of, you know, Odorizzi's curveball. Um, Odorizzi has more fastball velocity, but not by a ton. And since he's a righty and Smiley's a lefty, relative to their handedness, they probably have about the same velocity. Mm-hmm. Um what do I think of the healthiness, their healthiness factors? Smiley's had more health issues. In fact, I think that's enough for me to kind of go towards Odorizzi. Even though Odorizzi's never had 200 innings, he's never, I don't think he's gone on the shelf for a shoulder injury. I don't and think Smiley, so either. Smiley has, which is a little bit worrisome. So Multiple times, right? Yeah, I think so. So I'll go Odorizzi even though... Uh, in terms of Arsenal, you know, if, if health if health is equal, I might go Smiley. That I think those are three legit pitches. They both have had homer issues, but the guy with three legit pitches and good command and you know better strikeout ability over the sum of their careers, so that's the guy I'd take. You know, throw in that injury factor, and I could I could see taking Odorizzi. All right, I like where your head's at on that one because I'm an Odorizzi guy. All right, you know, that's gonna wrap like, us up for the like that Odorizzi. What's that? Odorizzi. And I, and I like my eggs Odorizzi. Oh, well. that's <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's, it's really based on the eggs more than the pitcher, if I'm, if I'm being honest. It's because I, it's because I like eggs. I don't want that, like, runny stuff on the top. Actually, I really don't know what eggs Odorizzi are. I'm not lying. What? <laughs> You're a liar. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> giant liar. You call me out so eggs? hard. How do you like your eggs? Uh, I usually eat them scrambled. Oh, okay. That's boring. It's so boring. Harbor Easy is sunny side up, but you 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 turn it over just to you know so that there's no runny white, basically. Okay, I, so I actually don't mind when they got. I like runny. Yeah. I like. I, runny. I don't mind that, but the word runny is so disgusting <laughs> that I hate identifying it that way. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent serious. What? It is a gross thing to think about. It's sort of like snot or something. Exactly. It's vile for food. It, it's almost worse than the word moist. Which such a great the, consistency. Like when you're, you've got like toast. Toast. That's like exactly. Absolutely. Oh. You stick it in that yellow egg. You know, it's 100% so good. with you, but why do we have to call it runny? Yeah. I don't know if it, I don't have a better it's solution, by the way. Soft. I'm soft. Okay. That's better because I don't want like juicy would be just as bad. Um, I just, it's all bad. It's all bad. But runny <laughs> is particularly awful. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you call me out there on the on the egg. I, I don't know my egg types, but I do like them like that with it, which if that's over easy, then I, then I am back on on track of being truthful, but before you said it, I wasn't 100% sure that those were. You know, I tell you, we eat a lot of eggs in this household. I went from, you know, you you buy the 12er, right? Yeah. Now buy the 18er because Today, this morning, we had six eggs. Oh man, yeah. See, that's a, that's an egg loving family there. Maybe <laughs> maybe you need to get some chickens to add to your. Uh, we can in Palo Alto. You're allowed to have chickens. You're taking care. You got you got two kids and some. Ch- I would love. I just don't want to deal with it. That's chicken. why I want you to get them because I want to oh, hear you know, dealing with chickens. <laughs> I want the beginning of every podcast to be how are the chickens? <laughs> They're worse than the kids. I can't believe it. <laughs> I want. That's what I want in my life, guys. Let's uh, get a Kickstarter going for Eno's chickens, chickens. <laughs> and uh, and and I think we can make our lives better. We'll make Eno's worse, but ours better. Eno, you're not gonna have any chickens this weekend. You are gonna have to take care of the kids, hang out with the fam. Hope you have a great weekend. You and I'll be back oh, next week. Yeah, actually, um, some news for the program. Oh, I'm kind of going on vacation next week. Oh, okay. Well, then Paul gets to. Uh, it's Paul's playground. Paul gets to figure it out. I'm, I'm referring to myself in the third person, which is super cool. Oh, I thought you were talking about Castava. Uh, Castava will be on. That that's a guarantee. Yeah, you can get some Castava on there. Maybe Colette uh, can come back and. Um... Colette should be back Sunday. Then Castava would be Wednesday, and then right. but free for all on Friday. 
Paul gets to figure something out. Oh, oh guys, I got oh, I got some ideas. I've already got some ideas. Well, you know, I guess we'll probably only talk on text and Gchat next week. Then, where are you going on vacation? Um, fabulous Sedona, Arizona. Oh, I wonder if they got chickens I... available there where you can bring home some chickens. <laughs> my mother, my mother lives there, so I'm taking the kids uh, to see her bed and breakfast that she bought. Awesome. And um, uh, there's a there's like a jeep tour and a zoo and a and a rock you can slide on. So. Well, that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, then we will we will reconvene on the podcast then two weeks from now, and I hope you guys have a great vacation. And like I said, I'll talk to you on chat and, uh, and text as we normally do. You know, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. <laughs>